the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In Jerusalem had suffered through a number of incidents which made it unusable for worship. However, in the tribulation, the rebuilt temple will experience an abomination such as it has never had. In today's Bible study, Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel will discuss with us this terrible future event that will open the floodgates of God's wrath on His rebellious people and the entire sinful world. Open your Bible to Matthew 24, verse 13, as Pastor Steve comes to lead our class. Now, I mentioned this verse to you, and I raised the question on how this might be accomplished. That is to say, how is the gospel going to be proclaimed throughout the whole world when it will be the most dangerous time in history to proclaim the gospel? How will it happen when those who share their faith will either be killed or persecuted? Well, first of all, let me quickly say that this verse has nothing to do with evangelism that's going on today. It has nothing to do with missions today. See, this verse has been misunderstood by some because it has been taken out of context to mean that the more missionaries are sent out to people today and the more people hear the gospel, the closer we will be to the second coming of Christ. In other words, we, the church, hold the key, according to this view, to the return of Christ by our evangelistic and missionary efforts. The more witnessing we do, the more missionaries we send out to the various parts of the globe, the quicker Jesus will return. But that's not what this verse is teaching at all. Listen, this statement by Jesus has absolutely nothing to do with the church speeding up the Lord's return by our evangelistic efforts. Remember, everything Jesus said in Matthew 24 is about the future time of the tribulation, not this church age. The church won't even be there. The church will have been raptured prior to the tribulation. So by these words, the Lord is simply saying that during the tribulation period, the gospel will be proclaimed all over the world. This is God's decree. And it'll happen. Question is, how will it happen? How will the gospel go everywhere when everywhere believers in Christ go, they'll be hated and persecuted? Well, according to the word of God, there are several ways that God is going to get his message of salvation out during the tribulation. Let me give you those ways. First of all, we are told in Scripture that Christians at that time are going to be very active in sharing their faith, even at the risk of death. Let's look at Mark, Mark chapter 13. Notice verses 9 and following. This is a parallel account of what we're reading in Matthew, only it's a little bit more elaborated on here. We're told more about it, at least this part, than in Matthew 24. In verse 9 we read, But be on your guard, for they will deliver you to the courts, and you'll be flogged, that is whipped, he means, in the synagogues, and you'll stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. The gospel must first be preached to all the nations. When they arrest you and hand you over, don't worry beforehand about what you are to say. 
But say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speaks, but it is the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus is saying here that in the process of being persecuted for your faith, believers living during the tribulation are going to find themselves standing before government officials. That's what he means by saying governors and kings. This will provide them then with incredible opportunities to present the gospel as they share their testimony. In, in fact, in Luke 21:13, Luke records Jesus as saying it will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. And you realize what he's saying. Believers in Christ are going to stand before influential government officials, men and women who will. Some of them will put them to death or order them to be killed, but not before they'll have the opportunity to share their testimony. That's why Jesus said in verse 11 that they shouldn't worry about what they're going to say while under fire. They shouldn't worry about it. They shouldn't be intimidated by it or fearful because the Holy Spirit at that time will give them wisdom what to speak on, what to to say, how to present their testimony. So one way we know that the gospel is going to be proclaimed throughout the world is that during the tribulation, persecuted Christians are going to have plenty of opportunities to share their testimony with influential government leaders. Some, we would assume, will be saved and they will get the gospel out to others as well. Another way that God is going to cover the globe with the message of Christ is that he will raise up many who will be unusually zealous and aggressive and blessed by God in their evangelistic efforts. Now, you don't need to turn there because we have a lot to cover today. But in Revelation 7, which we looked at several weeks ago, we know that God at the beginning of the tribulation is going to save, set aside and supernaturally protect and preserve 144,000 Jewish people from each of the tribes of Israel. Revelation 7 teaches that. And these Jewish Christians are going to be, imagine, they're going to be like 144,000 Apostle Pauls unleashed all over the world. Because with amazing zeal and passion, they're going to evangelize everyone they come in contact with. And the result will be, according to Revelation 7, 9, there will be an unprecedented Number of people who will be saved. John said it was a number that no man could count. Not just Jewish people, but Gentile people as well. In fact, Revelation 7, 9 says from every nation and all tribes and peoples and languages, they're going to be saved. What an amazing thing this is. In fact, this is such an amazing statistic when you consider that at the start of the tribulation, there were no Christians on the planet. They'd all they'd all been raptured at the beginning of the tribulation. No believers in the world. But we read here that there will be so many conversions during the tribulation that John said no one will be able to keep count of their number. God is good and he's going to mercifully save a number that no man could count. Now, in addition to the one hundred and forty four thousand Jewish evangelists, Revelation 11 tells us that God is going to send two unnamed special witnesses to the people of this world who will testify about Jesus Christ. These men, according to Revelation 11, will have the ability to do supernatural wonders and miracles. And many Bible students think 
that these two witnesses will be the Old Testament characters, Moses and Elijah, brought back to earth for the special assignment. Now, Scripture does not name these men. Could they be Moses and Elijah? Sure. But they may just be two unnamed men. They will minister in Jerusalem, and they will be special witnesses. Now, the reason these two witnesses are believed to be Moses and Elijah is because of the miracles that they're going to do. Revelation 11 tells us that the miracles they'll do will be very similar to the miracles that Moses and Elijah were allowed to do in Old Testament times, specifically turning the waters into blood, striking the earth with plagues, as Moses did in the Old Testament, and shutting up the sky so that no rain falls on the earth as Elijah did in the Old Testament. But their greatest impact upon world evangelization will be in their deaths. Let me have you turn there. Revelation chapter 11. Note this. Verse 7 starts by telling us the Antichrist is going to kill these men. It says this. When they have finished their testimony, the beast, the beast is the Antichrist that comes up out of the abyss, will make war with them and overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which mystically is called Sodom and Egypt. I take it he means Jerusalem, where also our Lord was crucified. We know it means Jerusalem. Those from the peoples and tribes and tongues and nations will look at their dead bodies for three and a half days. So the Antichrist is going to leave their bodies on the ground for three and a half days. And everybody's going to see them and will not permit their dead bodies to be laid in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and celebrate, and they'll send gifts to one another. It'll be like another Christmas time. Because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. But after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God came into them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell upon those who were watching them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. Then they went up, into the heaven, in the cloud, and their enemies watched them. And in that hour, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake, and the rest were terrified. And notice this, gave glory to the God of heaven. Though the Antichrist is going to kill these men, after three and a half days, God is going to resurrect them restore them, and the result will be, I take it when he says many gave glory to the God of heaven, that many will be saved. Many will be saved. The rest will be saved. Some will be killed. Some will be so thrilled, but the rest will be saved. Now, in addition then to the testimony of persecuted believers before government officials, 144,000 Jewish evangelists spreading the gospel, the two special witnesses, we're told that there is another means by which the world will hear the gospel. And it is found in Revelation 14, 6 and 7. Revelation 14, 6 and 7. I don't understand this. I don't know how it's going to happen, but this is what Scripture says. John said in verse 6, And I saw another angel flying in midheaven, that's the sky, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. And he said with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heaven and the earth and sea and springs of water. What this means is that God is going to send an angel flying through the skies all over the world, proclaiming this 
message of salvation. So what we've discovered thus far is that even though Christians are going to experience an unparalleled time of intense persecution during the period of tribulation, this will also be a time where God, in his great mercy, gives everyone on this planet the opportunity to hear the message of salvation. Some will respond in faith to the gospel. They'll be saved. Some will not. And those who continue to reject the gospel will continue to intensely persecute and hate Christians. Now, that really was all of review and a little bit of going ahead. But today we want to continue our study in Matthew 24 by discovering and learning about the event that triggers this persecution and severe hatred and launches the world into an organized attack against believers in Christ. It is called the abomination of desolation. Jesus speaks about it in verse 15 of Matthew 24. Then what he does in the verses following his mentioning of the abomination of desolation, he spells out what the response of believers alive at that time should be when they see this abominable event take place. So let's get into our text by looking at verse 15, the abomination of desolation. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel, the prophet standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. He pauses. Having already told his disciples that intense persecution is coming, Jesus now reveals why such intense persecution will take place. He says that when believers see, believers living at that time, see the abomination of desolation occur, they'll know that perilous times have come upon them. So what is this abomination of desolation that our Lord is talking about? That expression is something that sounds foreign to us. Something unfamiliar to us. We don't even use the word abomination very often. But our Lord's Jewish disciples knew what he was talking about, at least in terms of the familiarity with this. They were acquainted with this expression. It was not a foreign expression to them. And the reason they knew about this was because they knew that the Old Testament prophet Daniel referred to it in the book that's named after him. That's why Jesus said in verse 15, which was spoken of through Daniel, the prophet. See, Daniel predicted a coming figure who would do something so horrible, so detestable, so repulsive to desecrate God's temple in Jerusalem that this abomination would cause the Jewish people to abandon their temple. In other words, this abominable act would cause the temple to become desolate because it will be abandoned by Israel. When we say the abomination of desolation, we mean by this the abomination that causes the temple to become desolate. It is desolate because of the abominable act that took place. Now, throughout Israel's history, there have been a number of times when the temple in Jerusalem experienced terrible defilements that led to it being abandoned and desolated by and deserted by the Jewish people. For example, Nebuchadnezzar. And the Babylonians defiled the temple when they destroyed it in 586 B.C. That was the first temple, and that was the temple that Solomon built. They defiled it. They destroyed it. About 150 years before the birth of Jesus, a very wicked Syrian leader, he was actually a Greek man who was in charge of Syria, by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes, defiled the temple by dedicating it to Zeus. And then he did a most terrible thing. 
terrible in the eyes of the Jewish people. He sacrificed a pig on the altar. A pig is the most ritually unclean animal in Jewish thinking, and he defiled the temple by sacrificing a pig on the altar. This is the background, by the way, of the Feast of Hanukkah. This is the Jewish people back then, led by a man named Judas Maccabee and his family, fought against the Syrians. They used guerrilla warfare. They recaptured Jerusalem from the Syrians. Many joined their guerrilla warfare, and they rededicated the temple. The Feast of Hanukkah is actually the rededication of the temple. Then in 70 AD, Rome performed an abomination against the second temple when they burned it to the ground. That wasn't what Titus had ordered the soldiers to do, but they burned it to the ground anyway. But note this, all of these abominations only anticipated the final and the ultimate abomination that would cause the abandonment and desolation of the temple. Jesus says that the worst abomination is still in the future, and it was predicted by Daniel. Where was it predicted by Daniel? Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. We've looked at this before. We need to see it again. Daniel 9, verse 27 says this, And he, he meaning the Antichrist, the one world ruler, known in the book of Revelation as the beast, and he will make a firm covenant with the many, the many would be Israel, for one week. The one week would be seven years, not not a week of seven days. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate. That's the abomination of desolation. Even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. Now, as we noted several weeks ago, this verse is a reference to the Antichrist, who Daniel says will make a covenant with Israel for seven years. And let me just explain very briefly why this is years, not not days or weeks. The Hebrew term for week is literally seven, seven. In other words, a unit of seven. And you have to determine what seven he's talking about by the context. The context here indicates he's talking about a unit of seven years, not seven days. If you, if you read through Daniel chapter 9, you'll see that he's only talking in terms of years, not days. Now, apparently, the Antichrist will begin his rise to power as the world's supreme leader by ruling over a federation of nations in Western Europe the old Roman Empire. And he'll offer Israel, apparently, European protection for the opportunity to get his presence felt in the Middle East. Now, if it's not exactly that, it'll be something like that. But in the middle of this seven-year period of peace, we're told that he will break his treaty. He'll break his covenant. And according to what Daniel tells us, he will force Israel to cease from offering sacrifices in their re built temple. So there will be a rebuilt temple because they only have sacrifices in the temple. When will that be built? I don't know. It'll be sometime prior to the tribulation. It could start tomorrow if world events were right. It doesn't have to start after the rapture. It could be before. But there will be a rebuilt temple. The Jewish people will begin to offer sacrifices there again, but he will stop it at the midway point of the tribulation Period. And then he will do something so detestable that it will cause the Jewish people to forsake the temple and make it desolate. Their own temple that they love, they will abandon. So what is this detestable thing that's going to take place? Well, you know what? Daniel 
He didn't say what it was. He just mentioned it as a fact. And Jesus here in Matthew 24, he didn't say what it was either. However, several years after Jesus gave the Olivet Discourse, the Holy Spirit revealed through the Apostle Paul what the abomination of desolation was. He revealed it through Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I would encourage you to look at it. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 3, we read this. Paul said, let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Now, Paul refers to Antichrist as the son of destruction, as well as the lawless one or the man of lawlessness. And here's what this man will do. This is the abomination of desolation. Verse four, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. That's it. That's what he'll do. Paul teaches that the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, the son of destruction, is going to sit down on a throne in the temple in Jerusalem, declaring himself to be God and demand to be worshipped. And if you look at Second Thessalonians again, one of the ways he will persuade people to worship him is through the miracles that he'll be able to do. Notice verses 9 and 10. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish. Revelation 13 also tells us that there will be another man, the right-hand helper to the Antichrist, known as the false prophet, who will also have power to persuade people through miracles to believe that Antichrist is God. It says in Revelation 13 that this false prophet will somehow enable an image of the Antichrist to speak. And those who do not worship the beast, the Antichrist, as God, somehow this image will cause the deaths of those who refuse to worship him. Revelation 13 verse 8 tells us that those who dwell on the earth are going to worship him. He'll persuade them through signs and and miracles. Folks, that's the abomination of desolation. This is the ultimate abomination that Jesus said would cause the temple to become desolate. Because even though at that point in the tribulation, Israel as a nation will not yet believe in Jesus as Messiah. Many Jewish people will, but not as a nation yet. The nation, though, will absolutely refuse to worship a man. Even in her unsaved condition, Israel will still know that worshiping a man is the height of idolatry. And she will say, absolutely not. She won't do it. And so when the Jewish nation refuses to acknowledge the Antichrist as God, then it is at that point, halfway into the tribulation period, that this man of lawlessness will then vent his anger upon them. And especially upon Jewish Christians who will be the most outspoken critics of Antichrist, and he will begin to persecute them by making it a crime to believe in any God other than himself. 
That sounds a lot like what Daniel's three friends faced with the golden idol King Nebuchadnezzar erected many years ago. And just as those three men were faithful to their God, so will the Jewish Christians and other Christians around the world remain faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ during this time of great persecution. In our next broadcast, Pastor Steve will show us lessons we can learn from this Olivet Discourse Jesus taught his disciples. Be sure to be listening. Verse by Verse comes to you from Lakeside Community Chapel, 1893 Sunset Point Road, Clearwater, Florida. If you are looking for a home church, we would encourage you to visit Lakeside for one of their services. The chapel's phone number is 727-442-1714. Call for information on service times. Thanks for being in class today. I'm your announcer, Jerry Pruitt. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. In the book of Job, Job's obedience to God is tested when Satan is allowed to remove all the blessings in his life. Satan was betting that Job would curse God if his security and blessings were taken away. And Job's story applies to our situation right now. Many in our society feel unheard, frustrated, and like their rights are being taken away. But we must not allow our fears and anger to be... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.